Welcome to Career Tools. This week, having a seat at the table. Here we go. Folks, the podcasts are free, but if you want to be able to read all of our guidance, all you have to do is buy an annual license. It's $200 a year. Every year it gets more valuable because we add more content every week, both Manager Tools and Career Tools. For $200, you get access to all of our show notes for all the last nine to 10 years worth of shows. It's probably five to 6,000 pages worth of documentation plus additional online digital tools. Uh, the best value we offer. So Wendy, I was surprised to see this, this uh, title because um, I've generally found the phrase having a seat at the table is misleading in the sense that everybody wants a seat at the table. It's like everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> That's uh, true. Say, how do I get a seat at the table? As if there's some sort of invitation they missed or some sort of person they need to know as opposed to just delivering really good results and have really great relationships and getting promoted and recognizing that there are often smaller versions of these that happen with perhaps just you and your boss or just you and your boss and a couple of other people. But the fact is mentors, people, you know, more senior people who are talking to more junior people and those junior people are worried about their careers. They talk about having a seat at the table. Yeah. And it's, it's figurative, but and sometimes it's literal too. Well, it is figurative, and it, it is often literal, too, in the sense that, right, there, there, there are certain people who are there when the decisions are made. HR, finance, other support functions sometimes are not there because the senior leader says, no, I just want my top two lieutenants or whatever. But really, if you don't know what it is, right, the table is the executive suite. And by the way, folks, keep this in the back of your mind. When we talk about executives, being an executive d does not mean how close you are to the top. It means how far you are away from the bottom. Uh, and if your company has two levels and you report to the founder, um, there's a case to be made that you're not an executive um, because you're too close to the bottom because you are at the bottom. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in some other cast. But as, as you say, there are smaller versions of that table and many people burn to be at the table but then don't know what to do when they get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us. Okay. So, so the first thing is prepare well. The second is build relationships. And the third is speak up. Yes. And folks, for the record, this cast is nowhere near dispositive on this topic. And for those of you like me who often forget what the definition of dispositive is, it means to dispose of something. So to be dispositive is to be the argument that wins the argument, the idea that wins the argument, that disposes the argument. So this cast is not all we have to say on it. In fact, there's a case to be made that virtually every Career Tools cast is about helping you have a seat at the table. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you said prepare well. Now, in this case, what we're talking about is the actual meeting, the actual table mm -hmm. uh, where a, a small group it, it could be a director or a, a VP talking about her department, uh, or it could, in fact, be a president of a division or even a CEO, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they tend to be talking about longer term things, about strategy, about new projects that would change yes. the way the department works um, rather than, you know, specific things like, oh, we need, you know, uh, a new HR system or a new something, you know, it's not, they're not incremental changes. They're generally big changes. 
All right, good. And in a lot of ways, this meeting is like any other meeting, right? This is the, the same, you go through the same motions. So your preparation is the same, even though you might be feeling, oh, there's all these people here, there's a VP or there's a director and I only kind of know his name and I know he's really important or there's that we're going to be talking about stuff that I don't really you know, just sounds really big. Sounds like there's decisions that are really big or or numbers that are really big, you know, like millions of dollars instead right. of the hundreds that I normally talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you guys don't have school uniforms, but whenever you start a new year at school in England. You guys, are you talking about Mike and I and the school no. uniforms we wore for four years? Oh, yeah. You're uniforms. right. You did. You yes, had I uniforms. Did. Yeah. Yes. And and you, you start school in the first year and if your parents buy your uniform they buy you a jacket that's a size too big so you can grow into it during the year and that's what I feel like when I when I go to these meetings I feel like I'm the new boy the new girl and you can tell because my uniform is too big and and people are talking about stuff I don't understand and so preparation is one of the things that helps you get over that feeling and and forget that and be able to be present in the meeting and doing what you're supposed to be doing. I also think part of that is is gradually an ego thing, new things with a new thing. All new things have more risk than than things that are not new, that are well known to you. But a new thing at a higher level has even more risk. And a lot of us in our careers have an approach of avoiding failure. And as I've said before, I think it's actually a horseman's law. Avoiding failure is not the same thing as seeking success. Um, and as an executive, folks, executive life is all about risk. And I don't mean personal risk. I mean the the that your job is to understand the chaos outside, is to come up with a plan when in fact it's a bet. There, there is no certainty that what you're going to do is the right thing. If you're working in finance and you're processing claims forms, there's a process and that process is designed to reduce the risk of errors in the processing. If you're an executive, you have to decide what do our customers want and you can't ask every customer and every customer doesn't have the same answer and so you don't know and you're guessing or you're making an educated guess or you're making an analyzed guess but ultimately there's more risk and coming up with a plan for the future where there is not an existing process is risky mm -hmm. um, and and I think too many people come into situations like this and say how can I reduce my risk now what this cast does is begin to talk about how you can reduce your risk but the fact is, is that if you're thinking, wow, I'm new and I don't know what to say and so on, that's fine. But let us be clear with you. If you're sitting at the table, your voice is expected to be heard. And if you don't speak up because you're uncertain, you could fall prey to being a, a junior executive, um, a senior, senior manager who simply doesn't understand that you're here and we don't have any dead weight at this table. Those big meetings don't have 40 people in them. They have six or eight or 10, and they're all expected to, to say something. And I know far too many people who have just sat back and waited. And then somebody comes up to them after six months and says, you know, you're not contributing much. You, you, you really, you're sort of falling out of favor. 
I'm like, what? I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn the processes and everything else. He says, dude, you're at the table. The cost of being at the table is speaking up. Yeah. So uh, if you can get hold of notes from previous meetings, then read them because that will give you a hint as to what's being talked about and how, and that will give you an idea about things that you can speak up about. Um, even if you just have the agenda, make sure you've read it. Like, like don't, it's, it's really easy if you go to a meeting once a week and it's your manager's staff meeting and the agenda is really, uh, is always nearly the same. And so you take like five minutes to look at it five minutes before the meeting because, you know, habit, you probably started by reading it carefully a day before and now you don't because you know more or less what it's going to be on. So you have to go back to first principles and think, okay, I'm actually going to read this agenda. I'm going to read it in time for me to look up what the, they're talking about and so on. Um, or go to find someone who knows about it, your mentor, your manager, whoever invited you, you know, and say, hey, you're talking about this project, which I've never heard of. Can you just give me a, like a two-minute briefing so that I know exactly what's, or I right. know something about what's going on during the meeting? Yeah, in, in my mind, I think you need to go further than that. I, I think the chances, in many cases, unless you're at the executive level and it's a board meeting where there is an agenda, uh, the vast majority of these small, mid, or large-sized table meetings, if you will, um, won't have agendas, and many of them will be uh, impromptu. They will be, your boss calls three or four people and says, get in here, we need to make a decision, we need to decide on this, or we need to do this, or something, or the wind is blowing in a different direction, we need to do something about it. And when that happens, if you're invited, and you feel like it's your first one, the first thing you do and we'll talk more about this in relationships, is if you, there's no agenda, you reach out to those other people. Hypothetically, if it's your boss, maybe it's your boss's boss, and so you couldn't do this, but if it's your boss, you could say, hey, listen, can you tell me anything more? And there's a slight chance that you'll be dinged for that, but there's a far greater chance that you'll say, no, we'll do, you know, I'm sorry, this is your first meeting, first time, you, you know, here, here are the three or four things we're going to talk about. Great, thanks, boss. And by the way, I just told somebody recently that uh, the, for many, many, many executives, they like the phrase, don't tell me about the storms at sea, just tell me when the ships got in. Meaning, don't try to get 15 minutes with your boss for him or her to explain everything. They're not. Mm -hmm. They're dealing with the uncertainty of senior people aren't communicating with them or the outside world doesn't conform to their wishes. Um, so the next thing, that, so that's something you could do. But the first thing you do, if you don't have an agenda, you don't have any planning or whatever, is you talk to the other people going to the meeting. And look, if you don't have a good enough relationship with those people who you think would be at a meeting to be able to call them or text them and say, hey, I got invited to the boss's quarterly planning session. I've never been to one. Can you Can you tell me a little bit about it? If you feel you can't do that, then you need to pay attention to step two, building relationships. If you have had those relationships or if you have them, you immediately have to ask everybody going to the meeting, except the one or two people who may be your worst enemies, um, and say, hey, what's going on with, you know, tell me, how do these happen? Can I prepare? What can I do? I'm amazed how many people go, oh, well, there was nothing, so I didn't find anything out. But there's the old saying about the meeting before the meeting. I'm, I'm generally not, I'm not a huge fan of that. It, that. That to me feeds people's conspiracy theories about large organizations. But gosh, ask people, hey, what's going on in this meeting? I don't know. Um, we recently invited Lynette, who's a new hire for us, to 
one of our corporate offsites. I didn't tell her to, but I assume she asked her boss, Danny, and maybe asked you, hey, what are these things like? What do they do? Now, in our case, we have an agenda and so on, and we communicate well in advance, but still, that's what I would have done. I'm not going to walk into a meeting and not know what's going on. Absolutely. And you're not supposed to have all the answers. There's a, it's, not, it's not a test with right answers. It's a conversation where you'll decide on the least worst uh, option sometimes or the option that seems like the best one with the information we have right now. And so you won't have all the answers, but you, in order to feel comfortable to speak up, you probably need to know at least what's going on and what people are talking about. And maybe people will share with you their perspective on different things. And the whole point of these meetings is that everybody has a different perspective and and that helps you make a decision. So knowing what different people's perspectives are helps you. And you will only get that if you go ask them. Right. On the other hand, you want to be careful of not going around interrogating everybody who will be there and giving the impression that you're not comfortable making a decision or giving an an opinion without having all the answers. In the beginning of your career, like when you're talking about um, processing purchasing orders, for example, there's a set of rules. And if the rules are met, then you take X action and it's not going to be like that. There's no rules. There's, as you said, there's the people who are at the table are comfortable taking risks and really big risks compared, probably compared with how comfortable you feel. And so if you want to be looked upon favorably by them, you have to be able to take risks too. You have to be able to speak up when right. you don't have all the knowledge um, or when you don't have you know, all the numbers that you would want to have. So you got to do the research, but don't make too much noise about yeah. it. So when you say don't make too much noise, here's a good example of what you would actually do, guys. There are five people you realize. The boss has said, hey, it's Thursday at 2 o'clock, and he says, listen, I just got a note down that says everything's going to change Q3. You're in Q1. So we have QT, Q2 to try to get it squared away. Uh, and you get this email. It's fair, fairly terse email. Uh, but there's five of you. You look at the list, your boss and his number two, who's a really sharp MBA, who you like her, but you don't know her at all, and she's not a communicator with you because you're maybe two levels down, but you're an expert in a certain area. You're not going to ask her. You don't know her. Um, And it would seem like sucking up to the number two. Um, there are three other people coming in addition to you. One of them's your best friend, and one of them you know pretty well, who is your best friend's other best friend. You would send a text to each one of those, or you'd go by their desk at the end of the day when they're feeling more expansive and plop down and say, hey, you got two minutes? And the guy says, yeah, sure, what? And he's probably talking to you while he's doing email. And then you say, hey, I got invited to the, the, this meeting. We're going to talk about QT, too. Tell me about those meetings. You've been to some of them, I assume. Um, And then, believe me, your buddy will stop typing and say, okay, here's what I think is going to happen, maybe. Um, Or they might say something like, I don't know, they're different every time. Well, okay, that's cool, fine. I'll, I'll be ready as best I can. I'll do whatever prep I can based on the note. Do you know anything more about what happened that caused the meeting? Okay. 
any reason why these people are coming, unless there's a pretty standard thing. It's all of your bosses, bosses, directs, for instance. Or do you know any, way, any which way the wind is blowing? And any reason why I'm included this time? Now, this is, somebody, this is something you can do in three or four minutes of a friend. You couldn't go and ask your boss's number two if you didn't have a great relationship with her. Um, you probably, you know, 90% chance you couldn't do that. And then you go and ask your other friend, who's not your best friend, but he's the, best, the other best friend of your best friend, and say, hey, what do you know? You know, I asked I ask Robbie, uh, and now I'm asking you, Sarah, what, you know, what do you think? And by the way, you do this quietly, and you only take five minutes, and then you make some decisions about how you're going to leverage what they told you in preparation. Maybe it's look back over quarterly numbers. Maybe you look at the plan that the organization has for the year in order to get ready. Maybe you look at decks that came out of meetings you've heard about that happened in the last six months just to refresh yourself suddenly at a 30,000-foot level, whatever that is for where you are in the organization. Your 30,000-foot level isn't the same thing as your Bosses, 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 boss, 30,000-foot level. And that's what you do. You don't send out a broadcast email. You don't mention it in the next meeting when all of those people are there. You don't go and ask your boss, the person who set the meeting, for a half-hour meeting to prepare you for the meeting he or she is having. You do it quietly. Text message. Uh, I wouldn't even send emails because the implication of an email is that an email might be appropriate in response. And if somebody sent me an email and says, can you tell me about what the meeting is? It will take me 30 minutes to type an email and the email is permanent, whereas chatting with you about it is impermanent and, and it takes me three minutes. Yeah, it's going to be casual. Yeah. Like formal is noisy, casual yeah. is quiet. Yeah, good. Okay. The next thing is build relationships. Build relationships. So the, this kind of meeting often brings people together from across the organization. So we just talked about a meeting where you're um, invited as an expert to your boss's boss's meeting that's maybe not that wide across the organization. Right. But there might be some, some, you know, a new product steering group might bring together sales and marketing and manufacturing and finance and legal and a whole bunch of other departments. And it's a really good opportunity for you to build relationships with the people in those areas. But there's also a reason for building um, relationships because you're going to, need those people's support for your ideas going forward. Yes. If you if you think you're only going to go to this meeting once, you're wrong. Or if you do, you did it wrong. Um, and so you need to start building these relationships with these people, even, the, even though, you know, even if they're four levels above you in the organization, if you're a subject matter expert on something and you're being invited to the meeting, it's for a reason. It's because they think you can contribute. And in order to contribute, you have to have a relationship with the people in the room. Otherwise, when you stand up to speak or when you have an idea, the room is cold and you don't get anywhere. Yeah. So you want warm, friendly faces. And look, if you're a high C, if you're an analytical person, a perfectionist, a person who dots their I's and crosses your T's and are generally not as warm with people, that's okay. It takes all kinds to be successful and, not but, and other people, including other high C's, evaluate your answers, at least in part, and for other people, a lot in part, based on their relationship with you. A stranger who gives you a great idea 
is much less likely to be believed than a friend who gives you a great idea. The definition of a great idea is wrapped up in the emotional context of the relationship. Now, some of you say, well, that just doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't like that that's a, that way. And I want to, I want to be, you know, I want the world to be completely logical. Well, yeah, it's not, you know, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Um, so it's not that way. This is not fantasy tools. This is career tools. And, we're telling you the way things really are. If you don't have relationships with people, I don't care how good your ideas are. They're not going to follow them. Yeah. The first cast we ever did here was uh, in Manager Tools nearly 10 years ago was solution to a stalled technical career. A technical person comes into a meeting with marketing people and sits down and doesn't talk to them and wonders why nobody wants to give him more responsibility. It's because he can't create the relationships he needs in order for that responsibility to have leverage across the organization. I mean, people buy from people they like right yeah yeah and the best idea doesn't win the best idea with support is the one that wins right how many people say mp3s and and apple ipods are not as good as the other things that the other available technologies well the one with the best marketing and the the brand that people like is the one that wins yeah yeah, there's a, for those of you, most, many of you, I'm sure are too young to remember, but the original, the sort of popular zeitgeist about um, a product technology that lost is Sony Betamax versus VHS, which is now gone the way of the wolves. But they both came out. There was wide agreement that Betamax was better and VHS won. And I don't care what you think about Betamax. It didn't win. You can't buy it. It won't do you any good today. So relationships matter. And the moment you get invited to one of these meetings, you need to, if these, if the people at this meeting are not on your radar as people that you need to build relationships with slowly, uh, inexorably, glacially, if you will, you're simply not going to have your ideas. Even if they get better because you're getting smarter, your ideas will have less traction because you don't have the relationship. And then you'll be the one complaining about the meeting before the meeting which really didn't actually happen, but it's, hey, Bob knows Jane, and Jane agrees with Bob, and Bob agrees with Jane. And you think that they're having a meeting in advance to pl plot a cabal of, of taking over things? They're not. They just have a relationship. Um, you mentioned HR, We mentioned HR and legal at the start of the show, right? Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that it's funny. I mean, people, I think junior people look up and say, oh, well, there's always an HR and a legal and a finance and IT people at those meetings, right? It's this big. Yeah, oh. right. No, there's no. not. <laughs> right. Sometimes there is if that person is really good or really well regarded or whatever. On the other hand, if you're in those departments, the fact that you're from that department doesn't give you. It, it gives you some credibility on those topics, but it doesn't mean, therefore, that you're going to be heard on everything. It's not like for every idea, every thought, every change that we always say, okay, real quick, let's vet this through all of my support departments. That's not what happens. And HR and legal and finance and IT and all of those support departments tend to think that the world result revolves around them and the rest of the business thinks that the world revolves around profit. And so the, the rest of the business thinks that their thought process stays on, does this action get the product out the door and add to the bottom line? They do not think about the HR regulations around how many hours people should work or the legal ramifications around patents or whatever it is. 
They just want to do it. And your job is not to tell them what the rules are. Your job is to help them get it done. It's to prevent them from breaking rules, but to show them how they can achieve the same end without breaking the rules. Exactly. You're not enforcers. You're assisters. You're enablers. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so your relationships are particularly delicate. Because in order to be successful and to stay at the table, those support people have to be enabling and not enforcers. And too many people go in with the big boots and go, okay, these are the rules and you're not going to break them instead of helping the business achieve what it, it wants to achieve. Well, I think, yeah, I think I recently talked about this. I, I said to somebody that HR and legal and finance often mistakenly believe that they speak with the power of the level of the the company that they support. So if you're the if you're the the HR director for a VP of manufacturing, you think you can speak to all of manufacturing as if you're the VP of manufacturing. And that's absolutely the wrong way to go. The reason you can speak to all of manufacturing is you have a relationship with all of manufacturing. You don't leverage your boss's title. You leverage your personal relationships. And too many support functions think that their job is to say no or say this is why it won't work. You have an obligation to talk about risk, but it's not black or white. I don't recommend this. It's here's what will happen if we do this. Can we mitigate? Okay. And then the last thing is speak up, which I think we've already made that point, but we'll <laughs> yeah, say it again. Nevertheless. We'll say it again because this is the hardest thing to do, I think. No, oh, gosh. No, well, it depends on your personality, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, and, and there's this feeling that everyone knows each other. They know what they're talking about. They're talking way over your head. They must know the answers. I remember when we first talked about starting career tools, we were in a hotel room in, in New York, and you said to me, okay, so what's the plan for launching career tools? And I said, I don't know. What did you do for manager tools? And you said, we just made it up. And I couldn't believe that there was this stunned silence where I thought, I, I can't believe this person. I, these people who I think of as gods, they made it up. They didn't have a plan. It's like, I thought they were way smarter than me. Yeah. We, well, we did. Well, okay. Yeah. That, yeah, I was trying to lower the bar for <laughs> yeah. you so that you wouldn't think I can't do what I think they did. Right? Yeah. Well, your point is, is that I expected you to speak up. When Career exactly. Tools was created, I expected you to speak up. And you created, in your mind, a belief that you shouldn't or you couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I threw it to you as a way of saying, well, you know, we made it up, as a way of saying, you could make it up. And the reason you're here is I believe you will. And when guys, when you decide, when your boss says, what do you think? And you decide there's not enough information, you feel there's too much risk, you're telling your boss or your boss's boss, you're wrong. You can't trust me to speak up. You can't expect me to speak on things even when you ask me to do so. It's as if your boss is asking you for a private meeting and you're refusing because your boss's confidence in you is outweighed by your fear of risk. That's what it boils down to. Absolutely. So if, if you weren't smart enough, you wouldn't have been invited. And if you didn't have the ideas or the contrib or contributions to make, you wouldn't have been invited. And if you didn't have the potential to make the decisions better, you wouldn't have been invited. So just 
get over that. Decide that that's why you were invited. I said at the top of the cast, this is not dispositive. We'll talk more about how to speak up, about how to caveat things. That's a classic thing. You know, I've not been here that many times and not but. And it seems to me X rather than I believe we ought to do Y today. And anybody who thinks otherwise is crazy. Yeah. If you weren't smart enough, you wouldn't have been invited. And try to speak once per topic. I will tell you that one of the big mistakes is the old joke. There's an old apocryphal story about Einstein. And the joke is because he's a scientist, um, he therefore was probably a high C. Well, all the evidence is that he was a high I and just really smart about something, and um, which is the grossest underestimation of really smart ever uttered by a human being. But uh, he didn't talk when he was a small child. And, and again, guys, I'm pretty sure this is apocryphal, but it's illustrative. And all of a sudden, he's six years old. He's sitting at the dinner table. He looks up at his parents and says, the soup is cold. And his parents said, my gosh, Albert, you it's amazing. You haven't talked. We were worried. And suddenly now you're talking in complete grammatically correct sentences. What what made you talk? And, says, and he looks at him and says, up until now, everything was in order. <laughs> and the high C sits at a table and says, well, it looks like the, 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 the conversation is going in the right direction. I don't need to say anything. I agree. Silence is consent kind of thing. I've actually had that discussion with Mike because Mike's a high C. Um, folks, that's not the way it works. Okay. Your silence is taken as lack of interest, lack of confidence, or lack of ideas. If you agree, say you agree. If you disagree, say, I don't know. Here's what I was thinking. Um, if you're new, you don't sit at the table and the first thing you say, I disagree. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> so if there's five topics in the meeting, you need to speak at least five times. And two of them can be agreeing with somebody else or backing up someone else's point, and three of them need to add something new. And if you give yourself that as kind of a benchmark, then yeah. you know if you miss it the first week, that's fine. If you exactly. miss it the second week, it's fine. It's an internal, you know, it's only going on in your head. Only you are counting it. So it, it doesn't matter if you miss it, but if you don't set yourself a goal, you won't know whether or not you're contributing or not. Yeah, in, in my head, this is like, Okay, I, I, I shoot a certain round in golf, and I want to get better. Mm -hmm. And I put down the better to see whether or not I'm moving in the right direction. I don't beat myself up and say, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed, because that'll drive me into a hole and I won't play. Like, hey, I'm getting better. Or, hey, that round really was good, or that one was terrible. Um, but when you don't achieve, you get yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you step back into the ring. Yeah. And another measure you can use is a third of your contributions have to be about something other than your specialism because these meetings are not about your deep knowledge of deep sea mining or, you know, oil thermodynamics or whatever it is these meetings, your contribution is. They're about the wider business. And so you have to be able to contribute about the wider business. Okay, good. And having something in your head as a measure will get you through the uncomfortable period where you're thinking, I don't know what to say, and I don't, I don't. Um, and then while you're while you're in that period, watch and listen and learn because the dynamic of every meeting is different. Different. The dynamic of every company is different. Of the people that are there is different. And so what we're giving you is guidelines. It's stuff to think about but it probably isn't exactly how it goes in, in your meeting. So over time, you can move towards whatever the norm is. But if you follow these, you probably won't fall over. Okay. 
Should I sum up? Yeah, please. Okay, so the first thing is prepare well. The second thing is build relationships. And the third thing is speak up. And getting there is only the first step. Once you're there, you have to earn your place. And you have to earn it every time you're there. It's it's not a one-shot deal. You don't get to be, like, brilliant in the second meeting and then coast for the next 20. You have to be good (laughs) every time. So speak up. Yeah, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. You want to sit at the table? There's a cost. And there should be a cost because the decisions you're making are going to affect other people's lives. And that matters. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody. That's it. Like I said earlier in the cast, this guidance is not dispositive, but uh, it's a start on what many people ask us all the time. How do I get a seat at the table? 